Hey everyone, this is Mark Ruffalo, and you're listening to News Coup with Public Herald. One does not necessarily allow the state to define what is legal. Now, the state has the power to enforce a certain concept of what is legal, but power doesn't imply justice or correctness even. Throughout American history, the political leaders have always exhorted the American people to be nice and quiet and leave things to them. But when very serious evils confronted the American people, they had to go beyond the congressmen and the senators, and they had to commit civil disobedience, and they had even to break the law. This is News Coup, a public herald production where we overthrow the status quo. I'm your host, Joshua Perbanek, editor-in-chief at Public Herald, and today we bring you part three of our three-part series on Ohio Tenor Mountains. In part one and two, we found out there's two things happening. One, Ohio's operating a shadow industry where they're allowing things called chief's orders to be permitted to companies and not create paper trails of radioactive fracking waste that's being distributed to these chief's orders facilities, treated, potentially getting into public waters, and being transported throughout communities in Ohio. Secondly, unlike Pennsylvania, Ohio has a code that restricts the amount of T-norm that's supposed to go into landfills. And based on the Pennsylvania study that looked at the Marcellus Shale, the same Marcellus Shale that's being drilled in Ohio, whose waste is being taken to Ohio landfills, and that's also radioactive, that study ended up finding that the majority of these solid wastes being produced in the shale formation are above Ohio's 5 picocuries per gram code that's set for radium making the waste industry in Ohio an illegal operation that demands immediate action from the state or federal agencies or local communities who need to take back local control to deal with this waste, which is what we get into in part three. And that story coming today has to do with the fact that what's happening in Ohio is creating what experts call a permanent reactor in people's backyards. Essentially, you have layers upon layers upon layers of radioactive waste being trucked to these landfills that we know is extremely hot based on the Pennsylvania study and that's cooking year after year that's become a pile of waste with radioactive material that will last for 1600 years. It has to be taken as seriously as we normally treat radioactive waste which would require it to go to basically one of four you know low-level radioactive waste landfills across the country who are designed to take in this stuff two of which just happened to be operated by the same company Permafix who did the T-norm study in Pennsylvania for DEP and found all this hot waste there in the first place and told Pennsylvania about it and then Pennsylvania sat on it for five years didn't do anything till a couple years ago we started to release reports about radioactive leachate going into statewide waters and now all of a sudden Governor Tom Wolf in Pennsylvania is going to start require quarterly testing of leachate at all these different places, but what does that mean for everything that's been released into those waters for over a decade? Fracking's been going on in Pennsylvania since 2006. We've had this waste going to landfills since then. We've had the leachate going to the sewage plants since then. We've had them discharging levels of radium into the public waterways since then. So even though Governor Tom Wolf has created this mandate for DEP to enforce, which is to get landfills to test for radium inside of the leachate that's coming out of the sewage plants, 
it does not deal with where everything is right now in the waterways and how much is out there and whether or not myself or you or somebody else is out there recreating in that waterway getting exposed to radium. So we hope that this series, once it spreads throughout the heartland and people get a chance to read about what's actually happening there with radioactive waste, that some action can be taken, some accountability can happen, and folks can have a seat at the table once again. And this has been a 15-month investigation for Public Herald. We don't expect to be leaving Ohio after this. We do expect to be coming back and doing a follow-up on this report. And that means we can use any additional help from the public out there by becoming a supporter of Public Herald, which you can do by being a patron at Patreon. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash publicherald. And for as little as a dollar, support the work, support this investigative series, get free access to all three of Public Herald's documentaries, and get exclusive material that we only release to Public Herald patrons. Well, this story comes from investigative reporter Talia Wiener and from Public Herald editors Melissa Troutman and myself with contributions from us both and contributions from Elijah Labby, Jake Conley, and photography from Stephen Rubin and myself. And we want to thank Ogden Papers, who helped to push this story out throughout Ohio, from editor Matt Westerhold, journalist Tom Jackson, Aaron Caldwell, and Patrick Fanner. You should see it inside of the front page of seven Ogden Papers uh, for the last three days. And if you happen to be in one of those areas, be sure to pick up a copy of the paper and support what little we have left of print journalism. And funding for this series was made in part by the Park Foundation and, of course, uh, our patrons at Public Herald. With that, let's dive into part three of the Ohio Tenor Mountain series. Oil and gas wells produce radioactive material defined by the federal government as T-norm technically enhanced, naturally occurring, radioactive material. But as reported in the first two parts of the series, Ohio is letting T-norm accumulate across the state with virtually no oversight, putting drinking water sources, waterways, and communities at risk. The legacy of pollution from T-norm cannot be understated. The T-norm from oil and gas contains levels of radium-226 that far exceed the state or federal regulations. Since the half-life of radium is 1,600 years, that means it will take 16 centuries for one half of the nuclei of a radium particle to decay inside of an Ohio waterway. Despite efforts from environmental organizations to educate the public about the radioactive risks created by the boom in shale gas fracking since the early 2000s, or documentaries from Public Herald like Triple Divide, Triple Divide Redacted, and Invisible Hand that covered radioactive waste, some Ohioans remain unaware of the T-norm piling up in their own backyards. Sil Calgiano, Senior Battalion Chief of the Youngstown Fire Department, blames the lack of awareness on the state's protection of the industry. It's the third rail of politics here in Ohio. You don't screw with the fracking companies. Calgiano says his fellow first responders and civilians are not being given the knowledge owed to them by the emergency planning and the Community Right to Know Act, also known as SARA, Title III. The act requires that states organize and analyze and disseminate information on hazardous chemicals to local governments and the public. The lack of transparency places Caggiano and his fellow first responders in danger, 
They have no way to navigate industry-related incidents like spills and explosions when they don't know what to test for or what they are being exposed to. Caggiano is wary of the industry's money and power to buy experts and politicians. When it comes to influencing public opinion, he thinks the industry is nearly impossible to compete with. So yeah, ignorance is bliss, and if you don't tell people the truth, or if you bring in some paid guy that tries to tell you that the radium in the back of your uh, brine tanks is no worse than the potassium, radioactive potassium in bananas, which are, pardon the phrase, comparison of apples and oranges and bananas. Right. Um, people believe it mm-hmm. because some guy who's paid that's got a PhD says that. Previous reporting from Public Herald has shown that health risks related to fracking waste exposure do in fact exist. It's not bananas. The industry, though, with the help from the state, has chosen to downplay or ignore risks to both workers in the fracking industry and locals who live near oil and gas sites, treatment plants, and sewage systems. fact is that when a radioactive element decays, it blasts off a tiny explosive piece of matter or energy, what we know of as ionizing radiation. Radioactive elements such as radium-226 emit alpha particles that can come airborne as dust, drift through the air, or be blown about by the wind to be inhaled or ingested. Once inside the human body, an alpha particle's explosive charge can shred DNA to pieces, causing mutations in genetic material that can potentially affect future generations and obliterate cellular structures, creating the possibility for the development of tumors that can lead to fatal cancers. Radium-226 is commonly found in oil and gas waste equipment, especially in the Marcellus and Utica Shale regions and is known to cause cancer in humans. Research has found exposure to high levels of radium can cause malignant bone tumors, such as childhood bone cancer. Andrew Gross, who worked as a health physicist with the Navy and has studied the effects of T-norm for years, said the following about the practice of moving T-norm and other radioactive materials to municipal sites like landfills and sewage plants, which is what is happening in Ohio. Putting this radioactive material into municipal waste sites is a giant concern. Uh, the one that I went and saw when I was with y'all was uh, interesting. I, I haven't gotten the results back yet from the samples. I'm waiting on that. But, um, but I, mean, I think that could be, that could be a like, life-altering for a lot of people. You know, people in the vicinity, people with downwater, the streams, all those things. Dr. Julie Weatherington-Rice, an earth scientist and adjunct professor for Ohio State University with a PhD in soil science, expressed a similar sentiment. This is a permanent reactor near your house and it will always be a reactor because the the waste got pooled together and it will make as much radon and radium today as it will tomorrow and the next day and the next day and 30 years from now and 100 years from now and 500 years from now because the half-life of this stuff is like forever. The half-life of uranium-238, which is in the cuttings, is 4.47 billion with a B years old. 
and the thorium is 14 billion. That's like back to the Big Bang. So while it's a naturally occurring material, when you concentrate it, you create a reactor. local families, the horror that follows after learning about how T-Norm is mishandled in Ohio is only exacerbated by the fact that both the industry and government have known what is going on the whole time and have simply turned a blind eye. Susie Burstorfer of Youngstown is a notorious activist with Frack Free Mahoning Valley and the Ohio Community Rights Network. For years, she and her late husband, Ray Burstorfer, sat at regulatory agency meetings, and watched as the complaints of community members were ignored. Burstorfer takes issue with the close ties between the oil and gas industry and the state government. Frack-free Mahoning Valley has gotten fracking bans on the Youngstown ballot eight times since 2013 in order to protect water and create a community bill of rights. All of their efforts have been ultimately unsuccessful and vigorously opposed by the industry and its political operatives. We actually did have... Uh, you know, first the illusion of our, you know, government is protecting us, our, or our agencies, you know, our regulatory agencies, um, you know, we uh, learned that they're all captured. But then um, we still had some faith in the courts, you know, that they'd look at these things and go, well, that's not right. Um, you know, but that's been dashed over, over the seven or eight years also. So, so it's really, um, I mean, I know in Youngstown, we really have to start back at ground zero. To capture government. Ohio already has a criminal legacy when it comes to government and energy. In July 2020, Ohio House Speaker Larry Householder and four associates were arrested in a 60 million federal bribery case connected to Ohio's nuclear power plants. The case was described by a U.S. attorney as the largest bribery and money laundering scheme that had ever been perpetrated against the people of the state of Ohio. End quote. Ohio, like Pennsylvania, has the option for communities to pass home rule charters and ban things like T-norm or waste injection wells. But unlike Pennsylvania, Ohio's right to local bans has been repeatedly threatened by local election boards' decisions. Then we started passing community bills of rights, putting them on the ballot, where the communities had the right to decide, kind of saying that preemption of, and, you know, didn't apply here and their permits were invalid and they used their constitutional right to initiative to be able to do that to try and protect the community's health, safety, and welfare. And some of those got on the ballot then. Said CELDEF organizer Tish O'Dell. You know, Oakland got on the ballot and passed. Athens got on the ballot and passed. Broadview Heights got on the ballot and passed. 
So there was a trend going on, which then industry didn't like. And then they obviously sued, and they thought, well, by Broadview Heights being sued and losing in court, that that would end it. People would give up, but it didn't. More communities kept proposing bills of rights with right nature in them. And then they decided to change, you know, the laws and put in that um, House Bill 463. They added in there, it was a foreclosure bill, that then they added things about petitioning and that the Board of Elections could look at what was in the law that the people were proposing and keep it off the ballot if they decided it was illegal or unconstitutional. People think it's worse in their community or in their state, and I kind of laugh, and I'm like, no, it's exactly the same. But you're so focused in your own community, your own state, that you know people don't look beyond and see, but the exact same things happen in every state. Our legislature is owned you know, by the corporations, the laws. We, the people, are obediently following laws written by corporations. Mm-hmm. We all know about ALEC and all that. And just like they write the laws for Pennsylvania, they write them in Ohio, they write them in Florida, they write them, you know. On October 6, 2020, plaintiffs from seven Ohio counties filed an appeal in a federal civil rights case challenging the constitutionality of Ohio's ballot access scheme which has been manipulated to thwart local democratic efforts to create local bans on radioactive T-norm waste. Represented by the Community Environmental Legal Defense Fund, otherwise known as CELDEF, the plaintiffs sued the Ohio Secretary of State and boards of election officials for keeping citizen-proposed laws and charters off the ballot even after procedural requirements such as the necessary number of signatures had been met. On December 1, 2020, the American Petroleum Institute, API, the largest U.S. trade association for the oil and gas industry, filed a brief in opposition to the CELDEF suit, a move that reveals the industry's interest in preventing communities from enacting local laws to protect themselves. The brief states that the API is deeply concerned about the lawsuit because the initiatives that plaintiffs have sought to place on the ballots include, quote, limitations of outright bans on many of the lawful activities that API either participates in or supports. It goes on to say that if the initiative is upheld, the industry, quote, will suffer serious, immediate, and substantial effects, end quote. It's worth noting here that that's the same argument that's been made in order to create exemptions for the industry from things like hazardous waste and radioactive waste. For Marky Miller, an organizer with Toledoans for Safe Water, facing backlash from industry organizations in the Heartland State is the norm. Miller was one of the activists involved in passing the landmark Lake Erie Bill of Rights, also known as LIBOR, a municipal law that used rights of nature to protect Lake Erie and the surrounding ecosystem after Toledo's water was poisoned due to complications from agricultural runoff. Miller's work with LIBOR began years ago, but action by Toledoans for Safe Water in August 2018 garnered a new response. Fourteen corporate lobbyist groups filed amicus briefs in a lawsuit brought to have LIBOR put to a public vote. Those groups included the Ohio Chamber of Commerce, the American Petroleum Institute, and people like the Ohio Farm Bureau Federation. Two weeks before the public voted on LIBOR, negative ads began appearing all around Toledo. And here are some of those negative ads that we actually got recorded for the documentary Invisible Hand, which Miller and Tish O'Dell are also in. 
You know, we had radio ads come out against us. The out-of-state extremists pushing the Lake Erie Bill of Rights don't care about Toledo. Calling us meddlers and outsiders and extremists and, you know, everything you could think of that we were going to hurt families and churches and jobs and none of that is, is safe without clean water, though. They manipulate. They cost us jobs. Then they disappear. Who are they? The out-of-state special interests behind the so-called Lake Erie Bill of Rights. These anti-rights of nature radio ads played every half hour at multiple local stations, and mailers were sent around the town calling those involved with the Toledoans for safe water, quote-unquote outsiders, bent on destroying the community, said Miller. You know, we weren't out there trying to scare people. We were trying to empower people. And this tactic went the other way. If we're going to frighten you into voting no. Miller says some people were intimidated by the ads, worrying that they would kill Libor's chances, but she felt validated. You know, it was like, wow, we're, we're threat. You know, we're... We're causing this to happen because somebody, some big player out there, does not want this to succeed. On February 26, 2019, Libor passed. The industry ads failed. Post-election campaign finance reports showed BP Corporation contributed $302,000 to the anti-Libor, anti-rights of nature campaign by funding an organization called Toledo Jobs and Growth Coalition. Toledoans for Safe Water spent less than $6,000 during the whole campaign. Immediately after Libor passed by majority vote, Big Ag sued and the rights of nature-based law was ruled unconstitutional in February 2020. The ruling represents a larger trend in cases regarding community rights, rights of nature, and fracking bans in Ohio from the Ohio courts, where local democratic movements across the state are suppressed as corporate interests like Big Ag and Big Oil take control. For activists like Burstdorfer, the path to democratic control is long and full of failures. So again, we don't have any illusion that we're going to, that this case is going <laughs> to, we're going to win and it's going to change everything. But, but, you know, but we know that, that this is not a, an overnight change and that we just need to, this is a marathon, not a sprint. Establishing local control or fighting against big government is something that neither the state nor big business wants. It takes away power and money from both of them. Andrew Gross, the prior Navy health physicist, said that if Ohio activists want to create actual change, the only road forward is through monetary pressure on the state and the industry. It's all about money, let's face it. To me, the argument, the only way to do it is financially, is to hit them financially through lawsuits, and then to get the guys who have a finan- real financial interest uh, like the, the two bobs kind of guys, uh, to start making noise. That's that's how you may, and I've changed in my experience, both from both sides. Pressure on the legislature's wallets and uh, pressure on the wallets of the guys who are producing it. Experts say teen norm is a health risk, and communities in response to that are trying to create a health registry. In 2009, Deb Cowden, an MD and family medicine specialist outside of Dayton, Ohio, received a card in the mail asking if she and her husband wanted to lease their land for $35 an acre. The couple, whose property included an organic orchard, didn't think much of the offer, tossing the card in the trash the same day. When their neighbor called them, asking their thoughts on the offer, 
they reluctantly fished it out of the trash. Deb's husband said at the time, I think we're going to have to know about this. Despite lacking a concrete understanding of the potential exposures to radioactivity, Cowden and her husband began to research the offer, figuring out that Quebec Energy LLC was a Dubai-based company and that the leased land would be used for fracking and fracking waste operations. What Cowden and the rest of the public did not have at the time were studies like an October 2020 paper published in Nature Communications, which found that the radioactivity of airborne particles increases significantly downwind of fracking sites in the U.S., Using data collected from 157 radiation monitoring stations around the U.S. between 2001 and 2017, Harvard scientists noted a radioactivity rise of 40% compared with background levels in the shale play states. Cowden quickly realized the potential risks and began traveling across the state, speaking about the health effects of fracking and how bodies can be affected by the air and water contamination related to the industry. She found out about the work of the Southwest Pennsylvania Environmental Health Project, EHP, and in 2016, she joined EHP representatives and physicians, scientists, and engineers for Healthy Energy at a conference in Chicago to discuss the health issues associated with fracking. They discussed the creation of health registries to keep track of communities' health over time, containing contact information of people that live, work, and go to school around fracking and fracking waste sites. Basically, the conclusion was we ought to have registries where we at least collect the contact information of people that live, work, or go to school around this. Mm-hmm. And there's no money, <laughs> so probably we ought to each do it in our own state. The organizations decided to begin efforts in their own states with the hopes of eventual collaboration across state lines. Cotton returned to Ohio and began a collaboration with Faith Communities Together for a Sustainable Future, otherwise known as FACT a religion-based nonprofit working to promote a clean Ohio. Together, they created what is now known as the Ohio Health Project, OHP, traveling the state, training volunteers, and collecting information on those living near fracking operations. OHP spent the past few years working slowly, building up the registry, fighting against geography, misinformation, and teaching about the risks of T-norm. But Cowden is optimistic about its progress. Anything, I think that's one of the blessings of this is that people are realizing that it's not whether you're Democrat or Republican or Green or what you are. It's that we're all people. We all breathe air. We all need water. Cowden isn't wrong, and a growing body of data proves her position. And yet, the oil and gas industry consistently claims that the levels of radioactivity in its waste and byproducts are safe, while Tenor Mountains pile up across the country. In Ohio, where new rules to govern the risk have been delayed for years and public officials are prone to protect the industry instead of the public, communities face a unique challenge. One that doesn't have partisan interest. One that will last 1,600 years. And that will end part three of the Ohio T-Norm Mountain series. You can read all the stories that Public Herald has put out on T-Norm on fracking's radioactivity by going to publicherald.org slash T-Norm. You can get exclusive access to interviews we've had with experts, politicians, and people in the field by becoming a patron for as little as a dollar. 
you can go to patreon.com slash public herald your support there will make sure that we're able to continue doing this work bring on more people to cover the ohio stories and the rest of the show plays across the country you enjoyed the music throughout this three-part series that came to us from a group called heavy color who's based out of toledo ohio those sounds are part of our soundtrack in the documentary invisible hand you can get heavy colors work by going to Bandcamp and downloading their songs there or you can go to their label curiousmusic.us and find their work and be able to support other independent artists producing phenomenal music This has been News Coup, where we overthrow the status quo. I'm your host, Joshua Pabanek, and we'll see you at the next story.